At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Florida Matters. I'm Bradley George. It's a great time to be a Tampa Bay Rays fan. They made it to the World Series last year, and they're currently on top in the American League East. It's a streak they hope to continue tonight as they take on the Washington Nationals at Tropicana Field. The Rays' lease on the Trop ends in 2027. Where the team plays after that hasn't been decided. Owner Stu Sternberg has come up with a plan to split seasons between Florida and Montreal. Minority owners in the team are suing. Meanwhile, St. Petersburg Mayor Rick Kreisman is moving ahead with plans to redevelop the Tropicana Field site. On today's show, we're talking about the Rays and the future in the Tampa Bay region or elsewhere. First up, I talked to John Romano. He's a sports columnist at the Tampa Bay Times. We spoke via Zoom. How did we end up in this situation with the Rays where they're just a few years out from their lease ending on Tropicana Field and there still isn't any kind of resolution as to what happens next and where they'll play when, uh, when their lease on the Trop is up? Well, it's, it's an incredibly long story, but the first thing I should say is it's, it's, it's not unusual at all. Um, this happens all over the country whenever a team, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, hockey, um, are trying to get a new stadium or arena built. Communities are not eager to spend hundreds of millions of dollars to, to build these facilities for owners who are usually billionaires. So the process always takes a very long time. It usually comes down to some kind of deadline situation where, you know, we're, we're moving next week if you don't build us a stadium and, and finally a city caves or, or it doesn't and the team eventually moves. This story has been ongoing in Tampa Bay for a very long time, close to 15 years, basically because the Rays wanted to jumpstart the whole process. Um, I think they realized that it was going to take a long time. I think they wanted to do it without it becoming antagonistic. So they started way back in 2008. And, and it just hasn't gotten done because there hasn't been enough urgency, essentially, um, that there are a lot of other reasons, of, you know, a lot of back and forth between the owners and this mayor and that mayor. But basically, we just haven't reached a critical point yet to to force anybody's hand in this situation. And the other factor here is that you have this this site, the Tropicana Field site, that the city of St. Petersburg has been talking about redeveloping in any number of ways for a while. And Mayor Rick Kreisman has made that a, a centerpiece of his administration, especially now that he's entering his final months of office. He wants to get this done regardless of whether or not the Rays have come to a resolution on where they play once the lease on the Trump is up. And, and that's part of the problem, too, is, is Kreisman and, and he's right when he says the city of St. Pete should not be held hostage by the whims of a baseball owner and, and we need to move ahead and, and need to start planning. But the city council is also right when they say, Let, let's not you know, put the cart before the horse. If, if we're going to be able to keep this team, it's probably going to be at that Tropicana Field site. And we don't want to start developing that site until we have some certainty 
about whether a baseball stadium is going to go there. And, and the other part of that problem is the use agreement that the Rays have with the city entitles them to 50% of the development revenue um, whenever that site gets built back up. So if, as the mayor wants to, to start redeveloping it next year, the Rays are going to be making money off that redevelopment. And they may not even end up building a stadium there, and the Rays may end up leaving in 2028. So basically, you have a situation where by redeveloping the land right now, by doing it on the mayor's timetable, you may actually be paying the Rays money to leave the marketplace. And that's just one of those other tangents in this in this whole saga. Uh, the other the other sort of big sticking point is that uh, the principal owner of the Rays, Stu Sternberg, has come up with this plan to what what, what he calls the sister city plan, where the Rays would essentially split their home games between somewhere in the Tampa Bay region, possibly, and the city of Montreal. You mentioned that governments don't like to pony up money for, for stadiums, from, especially from developers who have lots of money. I can't imagine any government in the Tampa Bay region, let alone any government in the Montreal region, wants to uh, spend taxpayer money on a stadium for what's essentially a part-time home team. And, and that's exactly why it's run into an impasse with Mayor Kreisman. Um, Sternberg has said he would consider the Tropicana Field site, which, you know, in the past, the Rays have said, we don't, we don't want the Tropicana Field site. It's already proven that it, it's not the best site for Major League Baseball in this market. It's too far away from, from Eastern Hillsborough, even from downtown Hillsborough. We would like a more centrally located site. He's changed his tune on that when it comes to uh, the sister city idea, because he says with only 40 games at the Trop site instead of 80 games a year there, we, we think it can work. So the mayor is now looking at the situation, and, and he said that the first proposal that the Rays gave him in terms of how, how we would build this stadium uh, included them controlling a lot of the acreage there at the Tropicana Field land and getting 100% of the revenues from redevelopment on part of the land as opposed to 50%. So Kreisman's point was, why am I going to give them a better deal than they already have when they're taking half the team away from the marketplace? And, and that's a very legitimate argument on the mayor's part. Uh, that The team says that it, it was just an opening bid and, and there's still room to negotiate. But, but you've hit on, on the exact point of you know, the, the Rays are saying the sister city concept works in a couple of ways, you know, principally because there won't be so many games here for people to attend. So the Rays don't need as much uh, as much fans buying tickets. But they also say it will work because it, it's only going to be done in the Tampa Bay area in April, May, and maybe a little bit of June before it gets hot, before the rains start coming. So therefore, they don't have to, they can have an open air stadium, which is more attractive to everybody. Everybody would rather have an open air stadium instead of a dome. And if you build an open air stadium, it's a lot cheaper than building a stadium with a retractable roof, which is what they were originally talking about. So their, their pitch is that, yes, it, it may cost some money to build that kind of stadium, a smaller boutique style stadium, as they call it but it's not going to be nearly as much money as we would spend if we were building a, a massive retractable roof stadium. 
And I think uh, Ray's leadership has also mentioned that the Rowdies, the soccer team, which is uh, also owned by Sternberg, would would use this stadium as well. So it just wouldn't sit empty in the months that uh, right. that the Rays aren't playing at home in uh, in St. Pete. Which, which is a, a small benefit, but we're, we're not talking about a lot of games and we're not talking about a ton of fans. Um, the Rowdies are a popular team. They have a lot of history in this area, but they are still the minor league of soccer in America. And, and soccer is still far behind football, baseball, basketball, and hockey in terms of popularity in America on the professional level. So that's a benefit, but I, I don't think it should be a driver in this conversation. So one of the other complications that's, that's come up recently is that we have this lawsuit that's been filed by the minority owners in the Rays against Stu Sternberg, the principal owner. Uh, the minority owners allege that Sternberg was trying to, uh, trying to push them out of their, their ownership of the team and also was holding secret negotiations with uh, uh, different people in Canada about this split season sister cities proposal. Mayor Rick Kreisman says he's not going to he doesn't want to negotiate with Sternberg while while this lawsuit is playing out. He even said Sternberg should uh, should step away from uh, managing the team while while this while this plays out in the courts. Based on your reporting, based on what you've heard, are, are there any merits to any of the of the claims in that suit? That, that's a difficult question. The, the, I have no idea whether the, the suit has a basis in terms of what they are alleging. It's important to note, however, what they are alleging. What, what they're alleging is, is nothing criminal, and I don't think it isn't anything that affects the use agreement with Tropicana Field, which is something that Mayor Kreisman has suggested happen. That the fact that they may have been talking to Montreal years before it was previously revealed, again, I don't know if that's true or not, but even if it's true, that wouldn't break the Rays' use agreement. The only, the only thing that the Rays are not allowed to do in terms of talking to other cities is talk about moving games before 2028. And, and there, there was no allegations in that lawsuit that they were talking to Montreal about moving the team, moving to any games anywhere else before 2028. So I, I think that's sort of a, a red herring kind of thing in, in the lawsuit itself. Whether Sternberg was... Um, duplicitous and and sort of backhanded in terms of dealing with his minority partners that's something that's that'll come out you know in court proceedings and as far as i can tell and and i would i actually hope that comes out because i think that there were some uh numbers in that lawsuit that were very interesting to me that the minority partners alleged that uh the race had 400 million basically what they were saying is that the race are making money and they're not given dividends to the minority owners. So they're making the minority owners pay taxes, but they're not giving them any profits from what the team is making. They allege that uh, there was $400 million sitting around that the team had, which is that's a, a substantial amount of money. And it sort of goes against the idea of what the Rays have been telling us for 15 years in terms of why they need a new stadium. They keep saying that, you know, our attendance is low. The stadium is substandard. It doesn't draw people. We don't have enough revenue streams at that stadium. We need a new stadium to remain competitive financially. Well, if, if they've got $400 million sitting around and that there was another figure in there about the, uh, their new TV deal having $380 million or something, um, and, and there, was, there was no context to that in terms of whether that was all the profit from, the, from 10 years of a TV deal or if it was from the first five years, whatever it was but it was still a big number. So if, if the Rays are making 
as much money as these minority partners are suggesting, it to me, it completely flips this stadium idea. Yes, I think they still do need a new stadium, but I think the Rays are, should be on the hook for a lot more of the price tag of that stadium if they are making as much money as this lawsuit seems to suggest. You're listening to Florida Matters, and we're talking about the Tampa Bay Rays with Tampa Bay Times sports columnist John Romano. Our conversation continues in just a moment. This is Florida Matters on WUSF 89.7. I'm Bradley George. Let's get back to my conversation with Tampa Bay Times sports columnist John Romano. So we've talked about kind of the back and forth between the Rays and officials in Pinellas County and the city of St. Petersburg. We've learned recently that Rays officials are once again talking with officials in Tampa and Hillsborough County. Is it possible that some kind of proposal for a stadium on this side of the bay is revived again? Uh, yeah, I, I almost think it's it may be more likely at this point, if, if only for the reason... I've always thought the Tropicana Field land would end up being where the race ended up just because it was 80 acres of land near a downtown, a downtown that's growing um, and growing in that direction. And, um, you know, there were revenue streams on that land that would make it easiest to build. At this point, I, I almost think now what you see in a lot of these situations around the country is cities that have a team are not as incentivized to provide revenues or to provide funds to build a stadium as cities that don't have a team. So, you know, does Tampa and Hillsborough County suddenly say to themselves, look, you know, that the, we could have the Rays over here. We could, we could have the Rays, the Bucks and the Lightning all within a few miles of each other, all, all in our downtown core. Um, you know, maybe maybe they pony up more money for that reason. Uh, I don't know that that's going to happen, but I do think it's it's a possibility at this point that you know Jane Castor becomes the hero as opposed to Rick Kreisman, who's trying to say you're not going to you know rape my city with uh, with your demands. I think back to my time in Atlanta, and I was there when uh, the Braves came to Cobb County, Georgia, with this proposal for a stadium that was financed mostly with public money and now Cobb County is left uh, holding the bill for that pretty significant. Is there any chance we could see something like that happen either in Pinellas or Hillsboro where the team says, all right, here's a plan for a stadium, take it or leave it. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the Atlanta situation was unique in that, you know, nobody even knew that the Braves were were looking at that point. Right. I mean, they, they were in a, a pretty nice stadium that had been built during the, uh, what would that have been, the 96 Olympics. 96 Olympics, right. Um, a, a nice stadium downtown. Uh, so there, there was no talk that they were leaving. And, and Cobb County just basically decided we want to be big leg and, and spend all this money to lure them there. And that idea out there, it, it's sort of what they're talking about around the TROP site, that you can build, you can put a stadium somewhere and build around it and make it sort of a centerpiece of a community with everything you have around it. It's That, that battery area in uh, Cobb County is really nice. You know, would I want to be, 
you know, on the, do I want my taxes going toward that? You know, that's, that's a different question, but it, it's a nice area and it's, it's sort of a model of what a lot of cities are looking at. Um, so I think the Rays are a little bit of a different situation in terms of, we know they want a new stadium as opposed to what the Braves were doing. Um, and we know that their lease is up in however many more years. So they essentially are going to become a free agent team, which would make them maybe the most valuable team in baseball because, you know, just like a baseball player who becomes a free agent, you know, it starts a bit and more among all the other teams who want them. If the Rays play, play this out to the very end and get to the 2028 and do not have a stadium in this marketplace, there are going to be a lot of places like Charlotte and Nashville and, you know, maybe Connecticut and San Antonio and, you know, just a ton of, cities that suddenly say, well, gosh, we could be a big league market to ourselves um, and, and maybe willing to throw down dollars. Kreisman's point is those days have, have long since passed, that cities are no longer just throwing money at, at franchises in order to lure them. And he, he is right to a point. Most, most cities are not doing that anymore. The, the, the fervor over luring a fran an existing franchise isn't there anymore. But it only takes one, you know, you get just one city that that says, you know, OK, you know, we, we've got, you know, revenues from bed taxes or, you know, whatever other uh, public source they have that are, you know, we're not going to raise taxes on our own residents. We're going to be able to build a stadium here and and the team will be gone. So setting aside everything that's going on with the stadium and local governments and sister city plans and whatnot, the Rays are doing great, right? I mean, they made it to the World Series last season. Uh, they're number one in the AL East right now. They're doing great as a team. Do players care about any of this at all, or are they just hunkered down and, and, and focusing on, on playing great baseball? The players really don't have any interest in this whatsoever, I don't, as far as I can tell. I mean, most of these players, I mean, baseball is a, uh, for, for most of them, it's a short career that the chances of anybody that's on the team right now still being around on this team in 2028 are 50 to one. So I, I don't think that's something that they necessarily worry about. They, they realize it's a business and they get traded and they move on through free agency and, you know, they're, they're going to be playing in different ballparks all their lives. Um, it's your point though, about the team doing well. I think it's interesting because, when Sternberg bought this team in, in around 2005 is when he got control of the team. Uh, back then, they were the Devil Rays. They, they were a joke. Um, the, the attendance was low. The team was terrible on the field. Uh, ownership was, was not well-liked in this market and was, was ridiculed nationally. Sternberg put an end to all that. He, he took this team over. He stabilized it. He, uh, he brought in some of the smartest people uh, baseball had ever seen to run the franchise and they have literally changed major league baseball that this team itself this ownership group and and the executives running this team running the baseball operations side of this team changed the way baseball operates and other teams are trying to emulate what the Rays have done to have the success on the field that they've had without spending as much money as they're spending and my point is Sternberg has done a lot of great things but this stadium business has turned into a fiasco and, and it's turned fans against him 
And to me, that's a shame. I mean, he's he's had an incredible run as an owner, but it's it's being threatened by, you know, I, I don't want to say uh, ham-handed or, you know, I, I just don't think they've handled the situation quite as well as they could have. And I think the Sister City plan, which they are now completely married to, and they say, um, you know, they're, they're not going to consider any other options other than a split plan in Tampa Bay. I, I just don't think that's the stance they should be taking now. I mean, if, if, if you go back over the last 15 years, at one point, you know, the waterfront in St. Pete, that, you know, that's, that's the only plan that's going to work. And then after that, it was, you know, Hillsborough County. That's the only way it's going to work. We have to, you know, be in Hillsborough County. We have to be near the downtown marketplace. And, you know, now it's the, the sister city plan. That's the only plan that's going to work. I mean, it's, it's been a moving target for a very long time with whatever seems to fit that day. Thank you so much, John. We appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. That was John Romano, sports columnist at the Tampa Bay Times. Bill Sutton has been following the Rays Stadium saga for a long time. He's an emeritus professor in the Sports and Entertainment Management Program at the University of South Florida's Muma College of Business. He spent much of our conversation comparing Rays owner Stu Sternberg to another local sports figure, Tampa Bay Lightning owner Jeff Vinnick. From your perspective right now, and given everything that's happened, do you think that the Rays are going to stick around in, in Tampa Bay, or are they going to try to try to move somewhere else? Well, I mean, they've got plenty of options, that's for sure. I mean, there's there's groups in Nashville, there's groups in Charlotte, there's groups in Orlando. There's a real interest in, in finding a home for the Rays, so it's really up to the Rays and government to work something out. Whether that government is St. Pete, whether the government is Tampa, whether it's a combination of the Bay Area, there's going to be options. And I've been back and forth on the split on the Montreal-Tampa thing. Originally, I'm not a fan because it's just... Originally, I'm not a fan because it hasn't. Been, it, I haven't seen it done like this since the old ABA days when there was a team called the Carolina Cougars and they used to play in a number of different cities. And then in the NBA, there was the Kansas City-Omaha Kings and they split the schedule between Kansas City and Omaha and neither of those things worked. But, you know, this is a different day. It's a different time. It's a different age. And who knows, this could actually be a precedent for another other cities to do the same thing, to share share the cost, share the wealth. So it could happen. Um, I'm a proponent of the plan for Ebor, selfishly because I live in New Tampa. And, you know, I've gone to, I go to the Rays games a couple of games a year and I go to many more. I actually go to more pirate games in Pittsburgh than I do to Rays games. And I would tell you, you know, I'm a native Pittsburgher and I'm actually wearing my pirate shirt as I do this interview. And that's a a picture of PNC Park above my right shoulder. So I have a great understanding of what a ballpark can do, even for a bad team. And so I understand what a ballpark could do for a very, very good team like the Rays. And there's no question in my mind that an Ebor location, outdoor games early in the year, I think would be successful. To me, the rub would be, okay, now we go to Montreal and the meaningful games are being played in Montreal in August and September. And the Rays fans obviously will watch them on television, but they're, they're missing out on going to that. But to be fair, we haven't really demonstrated a proclivity to go to the games to begin with. We haven't really supported this team in the manner in which a team of this caliber would be supported in another market. So, I mean, we've got a situation where if we want to keep the Rays, we've got to step up in a unique way. And the added complication, too, is that we're in Florida, we're 
you know, people are transplants, people are maybe they're Pirates fans like you or they're Yankees fans or, or Cubs fans or whoever. Um, and we're also the home of spring training. So there's lots of lots of baseball options already, including potentially your home team. If you're a fan of, of, of one of those uh, one of those clubs that you grew up with. Absolutely. And, and I don't see, you know, I, I remember when, when the light, when Vinick first started with the lightning, the idea was, Hey, you can still root for your home team, but root for the lightning the rest of the time. And I think to me, that's viable. I mean, I root for the pirates every day and I root for the Rays. And unless they play each other, I root for the Rays, 162 games and the pirates, 162 games. And, and, and it can be done. I mean, it's just not, it's not tearing my loyalties. So looking back with with Rays owner Stu Sternberg, looking back over his tenure of uh, of ownership with the Rays, what kind of owner has he been in particular with the kind of relationships with city and county governments um, as, as they're trying to figure out the stadium deal? It's a hard question to answer. As with any any time it's an absentee owner, somebody that's not living in the market, somebody that's not present, uh, you know, 365, or at least the majority of the time, I think sometimes unfair comparisons are made or, or, or interpretations are made that he's not here, he's not interested, he doesn't care. And I think part of it suffers, you know, in comparison to Vinick. Um, and, you know, I've been in a sports consulting business since my days as vice president of the NBA for years. And so I've seen every owner imaginable over the 30-year period. And I'll sit here honestly, and I'll tell anybody listening to this show, Jeff Vinnick would be in the top 1% of all owners of any sports franchise in any league, in any market in the United States. He is very, very unique. And I think any owners in the same market as Jeff Vinnick are going to suffer in comparison to Jeff Vinnick. I mean, he's done a lot, not only for the Lightning, he's done a lot for Tampa, his charitable works are magnificent. His fandom is unparalleled. Um, it's just a tough comparison. So you compound that with Mr. Sternberg not living in the market, not being visible as Vinick is, it, it's hard. And so I don't think, to be fair to, to Sternberg, I don't think people really know who he is. They don't really understand who he is and what he's about. He's a New York Wall Street guy. And that plays well with some people. It doesn't play well with others. And maybe not a visible owner in the way, as you said, Jeff Benick. Yeah. It, to me, you know, I've said for years that the more visible the owner is, a, a fan wants to understand that the owner wants to win as badly as they do. And they're passionate about the team. Vinick gives you that. All right. Sternberg doesn't give you that in the stance, but he sure does. He sure does with the performance of the team. I mean, he's hired great baseball people who make great decisions and, 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 and we're competing with the Yankees and the Red Sox regularly and, 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 and coming out ahead. So, I mean, he's done what he needs to do. They just, I, th- I think in the market, he's not seen as a fan. He's not seen as a community guy. He's not seen as part of the neighborhood. All right, uh, Bill, I think that's it for my questions. Anything else you'd like to add before we uh, wrap up? You know, like I said, I've seen the impact of a new building in a variety of places. It can have an, a unique part, a unique financial impact in a, in a very positive climate for entertainment and everything else. I think the Ebor location, because of its ability to tie everything to the developments in Tampa, 
and make a corridor, an entertainment corridor, if you will, between everything downtown Tampa and Ebor, I think it could have a significant effect. I think it could be very, very positive. And like I said, I've grown to accept the part-time philosophy. I'd be curious to hear more and more about this and find out how it's all going to play out. Well, Bill, thanks uh, so much for chatting with us this morning. We appreciate it. My pleasure. That was Bill Sutton, Emeritus Professor in the Sports and Entertainment Management Program at the University of South Florida. The land where Tropicana Field sits was once home to the Gas Plant District, a vibrant black neighborhood that was torn down to make way for the stadium. We explored the history of this neighborhood in a previous Florida Matters, and you can find it at WUSFnews.org. That's Florida Matters for this week. Denora Prevost is our producer. I'm Bradley George. Thank you for listening.